One of the ones that I really liked that, that uh, we got in was, uh, do you believe that dogs will go to heaven? What do you think? All that say yes, raise your hand. All that say no, raise your hand. Okay. <laughs> I don't know about that. I'm, my mom is here. She's very fond of a dog that we had, and she was very fond that she thought that this dog actually talked to her. Um, he did? Okay. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that later. But uh, anyways, those who are near and dear to their dogs probably believe that their dog will be waiting for them at the pearly gates when he walks in. Um, but there was actually a second question that came along with that, and was, that was, uh, do cats go to hell? And I will confirm that that is the truth. It's in. I'm a, I'll, I'll give you a verse for it after the service that I found. So, uh, so anyways, uh, I'm, I'm going to leave a lot of the other questions for next week for us to talk to because uh, I have, I have a, a question today that I think is one that a lot of us uh, wrestle with and try to find answers to. And, and I don't know if I'm going to be the best at answering the question, but I'm going to do it as best as I can. And I'm going to point you to the person who has the greatest answers. And uh, I, I, when we come to understanding our questions or, or coming to asking questions, we have to first begin with the fact that uh, some questions just will not be answered. Y'all know that? Some questions. How many of you just got questions and you're like, I just when I see Jesus, uh, when I see Moses one day, I'm going to ask him this. Or, you know, I'm going to ask this question. And uh, some questions, however hard, we would really love to answer them. We just don't have the answers to. But, um, but there are many questions that we do have the answers to, and we just have to go to the right book to, to find that. And uh, so we're going to point you to Jesus. We're going to point you to the Bible. We're going to do our best to do that. Is that okay? Is it okay if we preach the Bible? Okay, just want to make sure we're good in the right church. Okay. All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 16. <clears throat> John chapter 16. And I'm going to go ahead and throw up the first question that I have um, that we're going to answer, kind of the message is geared around today. And this is the big question, and maybe some of you have a question that's kind of very similar to this. It's, um, there we go. <clears throat> um, I have to make a life-altering decision, and I can't find it in the Bible. So how do I know it's the right decision? Have you all ever asked something similar to that? I have a decision to make, but I can't clearly find it in the Bible that it says, do this. And so I'm, I'm, I'm a bit hesitant to make this decision because I want to make sure that it's uh, the will of God. I want to make sure that it's God's choice. I want to make sure. How many of you have ever had to make a decision like that before or even asked a question like that before? <clears throat> and so we're gonna, uh, I'm going to kind of try to answer this as best as I possibly can. Now, I believe I do have a, a good answer to this question. So uh, let's read John 16, and then we're going to we're gonna pray. And we're going to get right into this. So John chapter 16, we're going to look at verse 7. If you're there, say, I'm there. there. If you're not there, say, hold on. Somebody that's next to that, hold on. Give them some help. Help them out. What what page is it? 937. Okay, so page 937 for all those that need some help. All right. Let me just say this real quick before I do get started. Do you understand that, that you have a responsibility when it comes to preaching as much as I have a responsibility when it comes to preaching to you? You have a responsibility in the hearing side of it? Do you understand that? Just as much as I have to get before the Lord and really beg and ask Him to speak to me and to give me a word for you from the Lord, do you know that you have the exact same responsibility to ask the Lord to give you ears to hear what is said? The Bible says, to whom much is given, much is what? 
<clears throat> much is required. It's much is required. So today, as we, as I share truth from God's word, I want you to understand that there is a responsibility on your end to be very active in the message and to be very verbally responsive. And I'm just telling you, I do not like preaching to, uh, to white people. <clears throat> I went to a black funeral yesterday, and it was the coolest funeral I've ever been to in my life. I was the only white guy in the house. And, of course, Dr. Coleman brought me to the front row. I was like, this is, what is going on here? Can I sit in the back? He's like, no, right here. And they went after it, okay? So I, I, I got a little of that on me right now. And I need some hankies. Preach it, white boy. Go for it. Come on. Something, okay? So when I say a truth... My grandma actually told me this last week. She said, you know, in the Bible it says that God, all of God's promises are yes and amen. She said one of the things that God began to tell her or, or what, that she's learning is that, uh, is that there is a response that we have to make, that God's promises are yes, that's his side, and then amen is our side. So when we hear a truth and we go, that's true, we say, amen. come on. So God's promises are yes and amen. amen. So if you hear a truth then you just, you go ahead and shout out amen, okay? You will not be in trouble for that. All right, so John chapter 16, verse 7. <clears throat> and then we're going to skip to verse 13. It says this, I tell you the truth, it is, your, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. Skip down to verse 13. Or, uh, but if I go, I will send him to you. Verse 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will what? He will guide you into all the truth. He will, there we go. He will guide you into all truth. If you have a, a pen or something, underline guide. He will guide you into all truth. The title of today's message is called The Guide. The Guide. Okay, let's pray. Father, I need your help. I pray that you would speak through me and, uh, and ultimately, God, that the words that I have would be words that you want to say. And uh, Father, I just pray that you would open up hearts and ears to hear your word today. And may we be a people of God that desire to hear the word of God, to do the word of God. And I thank you, Spirit of God, that you use your word to make us more into Jesus. So our prayer today, more than anything, is make us like Jesus. Make us like Jesus. We love you. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Come on. There we go. Okay, so when dealing with this topic of how do you make a decision when the Bible is not very clear on it, I think for a lot of us we get confused a lot of times because you will hear preachers, much like myself, say something in this regard. And you can tell me if maybe you've heard something like this, that, that this book has all the answers that you need. How many of you have ever heard that before? Okay, this book has everything that you absolutely need to know what God's will and desire is for your life. It's right here in this book. Oh, you'll hear something about the Bible is the roadmap of life, right? That if you just go to the Word, you're going to get an answer to everything that you face. And however much, so much is, of that is true to some degrees, that the Bible is very clear. It's very black and white in a lot of areas. There is verses for certain things. It's not in everything. And I'm going to prove it to you in just a minute. Because when we look at Scripture, let, let's just take a couple of things for example here. So the Bible is very clear about forgiving people, right? Just as much as God has forgiven you, you should what? 
You should forgive others, right? That's very clear. That's black and white. Somebody does something to you, you need to forgive others. Well, the, the problem is it gets kind of hazy is when what, what happens whenever you know that Scripture says you're supposed to be forgiving of people, but what happens when someone is constantly abusing you, physically hurting you and your children? At what point do you draw the line and say, okay, yes, I know I need to forgive them, and yes, I need to do that, and then what point do I need to leave? You have a verse for that? I don't know. I don't have one. The Bible is very clear to children for us to honor our father and mother, right? It's black and white. Honor your father and mother. But let's say you have a 14-year-old who is in the midst of a nasty divorce with their parents and they go to their father's house and their father just spews venom at them about their mother and then they go to their mother's house and the mother just spews venom about their father and the 14-year-old is caught in the middle and doesn't know what to do but comes to church and hears, honor your father and mother. What do you do about that? The Bible doesn't say a lot about that. It says for us to honor our father and mother, but do you understand how hard that might be for a 14-year-old who's in the midst of all that? To hear a message like that that says to honor your father and mother whenever these people are using you as leverage for each other. Kind of, kind of difficult. The Bible is very clear about training up a child in the way that he should go, right? Right? Train up a child in the way he should go and he'll never depart from it, right? Yeah. Which way is the right way? <laughs> Sounds good. Let's just go with that one. All right. But it doesn't say that particularly that there is a certain way that is the exact way of doing that. For every parent in here, I guarantee you, if you sat down and talked about the way that you parent, it's different from another person. And that parent would say they love Jesus, and that parent says they love Jesus too. So who's right? The Bible just says for us to train up a child in the way she go. What if they don't want to go to college? Do you force them? Is there a verse for that? What if they want to date a loser? Okay, how does that work? What do you do? Okay, it depends. If you have a daughter, you bust out your gun. Amen. Amen. Thank God I don't have a daughter. <clears throat> so the Bible is clear about some things, but at the other side, it's kind of not so clear. The Bible is very clear that it's not good for a man to be alone. And every man said, Do I have some men in here that desire to be alone? I say amen to that, okay? So the Bible does say that it's not good for a man to be alone, and we understand that. But it doesn't say who to marry, okay? So when I was, you know, thinking about pursuing Lindsay, I, I couldn't find a verse on Lindsay. I looked, trust me, all throughout the concordance. Lindsay, Lindsay, Lindsay. Now, I found Elizabeth, which is her middle name. So I'm like, okay, maybe that's it. Maybe that's my verse. And for some of you, maybe that's how it works. You know, I don't know if I'm supposed to marry this one. Okay, I don't know. What's her, what's her name? I don't know. Esther. Okay, that's in the Bible. It's got to be. She's got to be the one. So we understand that throughout Scripture, there are these black and whites that are very clear. But we also understand that there's just some things that are still kind of a little hazy. Not exactly sure you what to do. I love this one. The Bible is very clear that children are a gift from the Lord, right? They are, they are a gift from the Lord, okay? Depending on how your morning went this morning, you might not say amen to that one. But children are a gift from the Lord. And uh, there's another verse that says, blessed is a man whose quiver is full. So here's my question. 
when's your quiver full? What's a full quiver? Okay, you want to go with the Duggards on this one? Huh? I'm good with three, all right? I'm good there. Some it's six, some it's ten, some it's eighteen. But uh, I, don't, I don't quite understand in Scripture exactly where to draw the line. There's no thing that says you have to have two, you have to have one, you have to have four. I mean, what point should your quiver be snipped? That's the question that I want to ask. <laughs> and for some people, I strongly encourage that. So, <laughs> we're having the discussion already. That's why I bring it up. <clears throat> so, we, we face, come on, let's be honest. How many of you face these things? The Bible's just not clear about that. There's not a verse for that. Just like, you know, there's not an app for it. There's not a verse for it. What do I do about this situation? There's no verse for this. I, I know kind of what I need to do, but I'm not exactly sure, and I'm just so confused because there's not a verse for it. And I know for Lindsay and I, when we went through the whole thing with Joel, I mean, there were so many things that we had to make decisions on that were up to us to carry on his life. What hospital do you go to? Oshners or children's? One says this one's good. One says this one's better. Which one do you choose? And, and, and that process of actually us making that decision was actually some prayer and then some counsel and then a lot of other things that really played into that. And we actually got to see God do some incredible things through making that decision. But that wasn't a decision that I could go and turn to Proverbs 3 and it says, bring him to children's. They wanted to do a lung biopsy on my son, which means they were probably going to cut him open and have to take some of his lungs out in order to do a test that they didn't even know if it would really even give us any any results that really was even to help. And I, we had to make a decision if we were actually going to go through it or not. And they come to you and say, do you want to do this test or not? And you're like, uh, Jesus, where's the, where's the lung biopsy one? Where's that? It's not there. And then maybe for you, just maybe some more practical ones. These are ones that Lindsay and I deal with. Um, should we move or should we not? We had a double homicide on our street. We said, okay, that's the Lord. Maybe we shouldn't move. But you know what? I don't know. We tried selling our house for four times, and four contracts fell through. And so, well, God, maybe you're saying something differently? I don't know. But there's no verse for that. I don't have a verse for that. Should we have more kids or not? Should we do? I mean, there's so many things that we don't. And so um, turn to somebody and say this. Say, the Bible doesn't always say. Now, how many would say that in the, in the near future, you need a clear answer from the Lord about a decision you have to make? How many would say you need a clear direction from the Lord? Okay, good. You're in the good house. You're in a good house today because we're going we're gonna to point you right to that. So I, this is my challenge to you. My challenge is that when we get into these areas where we don't know what to do, like this question said, I've got to make a decision. I don't know what the Bible says. This is my challenge to you is to not look at that as a problem but as an opportunity. Don't look at that as a problem. Look at it as an opportunity. So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to have you ask yourself four questions. Four questions. My, my message was going somewhere else up to about 10 o'clock last night, and then this whole thing just changed. It just shifted on me. And, uh, and so I just begin to write down these four questions that I feel like these are questions that I ask myself, but even we're going to look throughout scripture. And I think it's four questions that you can ask yourself. If you have to make a life altering decision and you don't know what to do, these are four questions that I think will help you 
in figuring out which is the right decision, okay? So number one, this is the first question we need to ask ourselves when facing an, an issue or facing a place where we need answers is this. Am I following? Am I following? Okay, let's go. Let's turn your Bibles. John chapter 8. We're going to be in the book of John uh, for the next three verses. So let's go to John. Go to John chapter 8 with me. And we're going to look at something real quick. So the first question that we've got to ask is, am I following? Am I following? John chapter 8, we're going to go to verse 47. And it says this. Whoever is of God, what does he do? He hears. Okay, I want to, I want to just point these kind of words to you. Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them Is that why? You're not of God. So the first thing that we have to to come to when we have to figure out a a life-altering decision is this. Am I following Jesus? Am I a child of God or not? This verse is very clear that those who are not children of God, those who do not follow Christ, those who have not put their faith in Jesus cannot hear God. They don't hear God. Now, God has ways of speaking to people even when they're far away from him, and he does do that at times. But the ability to hear God's voice consistently comes for us being of God. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, more people are consumed with hearing God than following God. More people want to hear from God, but they don't want to follow him. So God, just give me a word. God, give me this. God, give me that. And the first question you have to ask is, do you even desire to follow him? Following Jesus means you totally act differently. Let's go to John chapter 10. Go two chapters over now, and I want to show you this. This is a story about Jesus as the good shepherd. The Bible talks about him being the good shepherd. Psalms 23 talks about him being the shepherd, that we are his sheep, and he leads us, and he guides us. And look at John 10, 27 says. It says, my sheep, what do they do? Here we go. They hear my voice. They hear my voice, and I what? What do I? I know them. I know them. And they what? And they follow me. Come on, if you're, if you're underlining anything, put that. Follow me. Hear my voice. I know them. These are all things that deal with a relationship. Now, the Bible talks about us being <clears throat> related to sheep. For some of you, I don't know about you, but I really would rather be related to like an eagle, a lion, something, elephant, rhino, pretty much anything but sheep I'm good with. Except cat. I'm not good with that one. Dog. Okay. I'm harping on all my cat people. I apologize. But here's the deal. The Bible speaks specifically about us being sheep. And the reason he does that is because if you understand anything, sheep are not smart. They are the... They're just... They're dumb. Yeah, I don't know any other way to put it. They're directionally impaired... I heard a story about a shepherd uh, I was reading today as I was researching about this, and it was talking about how uh, there was this one shepherd who, was, who got distracted by something. He had this whole flock of, of, of sheep up on this kind of cliff area that he was leading and guiding, and he got distracted by something. He was going, and so he left for a minute to go grab something, and one of the sheep walked off the cliff, like fell to its death. And the shepherd came back, and half of his sheep had fallen off the cliff because all the other sheep just followed. And so he said he looked over the cliff, and he had like 1,500 sheep, and like 800 of them had fallen, 
said five of them were dead because they were killed instantly, and the other 300 were still alive because it created like a pillow. There's a <laughs> But it was just this, this fact that he had left just for a moment, and all of a sudden these sheep are going overboard, and then all these other dumb sheep are like, let's go with this one, you know, it looks good. And they fall to their death. This is, it sounds very similar, doesn't it? How many of you are directionally impaired? Just like in life in general, you're just directionally impaired. Somebody can tell you exactly how to get somewhere, but you will find a way to be lost. <laughs> Any of y'all in here? Okay. Any guys in here that you will not stop for directions? I don't care. I, I thank God for my iPhone. Okay. My marriage was on the rocks because of that. Just pull over. I, no, we're close. I'm telling you, I can sense it. It's, it's around here. We're going to look. Okay. And then an hour later, her stomach is... Busting at the seams, wanting food, and I'm too prideful to admit that. But we as sheep are directionally impaired, and we are dumb, and we need a shepherd to lead us. His job is to guide. My job is to follow. So here's the big question. Do you desire to follow Jesus? The answer is yes, then good. We're getting somewhere. Because here's the truth. If God told you everything that you needed to do, then you wouldn't need him. And God will never create a life for you that doesn't necessitate him in every step. So when we go, God, give me this question, give me this answer, give me this, give me this. And God's going, if I gave you that, then you're you're just going to go back out the door and you're never going to want to see me again. So the first question is, am I what? Am I following? Second question, am I searching? Am I searching? Okay, now let's go to John 5. Go back to the left now. We're going to go to John chapter 5. And uh, we're going to look at verse 39 through 40. So the first question we ask is, am I following? The second question that we ask is, am I searching? Am I searching? John chapter 5, verse 39. It says this. It says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to what? What's the next three words? Come to me that you may have life. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they, and it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I had somebody sit down with me this week. And asked me this question. They said, they're going through something. And they said, can you just tell me where to look? Where to read? Can you just tell me what to pray? And as I'm thinking through that, I'm going, as soon as I do that, then you're gone. And as soon as we do that, we have just now put a formula for God. Do you notice that all throughout scriptures, God performed miracles or Jesus performed miracles differently? Do you know why he did that? So that way people would not rely on the same thing over and over again. Oh, you spit in mud. That's how you do it? Okay, let's go spit in mud to heal blind, uh, blind eyes. But he did it differently every time, right? It was always something different that he did. And so this is actually a verse of Jesus calling to the Pharisees because these were men who had studied Scripture so well. Can you imagine this? You study Scripture so well that you memorize the first couple of books of the Bible, and yet when Jesus shows up on the scene, you don't even recognize him? You study scripture so much, you know so much scripture, you know so much information about who God God is that when he actually shows up, you don't even recognize him. 
And so when we talk about am I searching, the question is not so much are you searching Scripture, but are you searching for Him? Because look what it says. Yes, you do look for Scriptures. You search for Scriptures. And they do witness about me. Scriptures do tell about Jesus, and they do tell about God, and that is why we search Scriptures. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. There's not going to be a magic prayer or a magic verse or an answer that we can give you a lot of times to problems. We will point you to Scripture, but more importantly, we will point you to Him. Write this in your notes. The Bible is not designed just to guide you through life, but it's designed to lead you to the guide. That was a good part to say amen. The Bible is not designed just to guide you. It's designed to lead you to the guide. God doesn't want you just to know his will. He invites you to know him. He wants you to know him. So uh, we need to stop asking for guidance, and we need to stop, start asking for the guide. So instead of going, God, help me with this. God, do this. God, I need an answer for this. God, I need an answer for this. Why don't we just go, God, I need you. I just need you. I need you. You are the greatest treasure that we have. It's the difference between, I think we shared this illustration before, it's the difference between a travel agent and a tour guide. You know the differences, right? A lot of people treat God like a travel agent, meaning, God, I desire to go to this place. I know, God, you have a destiny. I know you have this. And, God, I know that you know about where I'm going to be. And so could you just download as much information to me to tell me what's going to happen when I get there? And so we treat God as kind of this travel agent where we sit before God and God goes, this is what's going to happen. And we want to give all the details and all the stuff that's exactly going to happen. But anybody that's served Jesus long enough knows that he's not a travel agent. He is a tour guide. He doesn't give all the details, does he? Because let's just be honest. If he gave you the details, you would wet your pants. You would be like, there's no way I'm doing that. There's no way I'm going that well. There's no way, okay? God didn't give us details for the things that we went through with our son, and I'm so glad he didn't. I don't know what I would have done. But so many times we want control because we want the details. God, give me, how is this going to work out? And if you're like a guy like me, I'm very systematic, and I like plans, and I like structure, and I like things in control. I like things to work the way that I had destined them to work. And when that doesn't happen, for people that are like us, you, you get a little antsy. Come on. Anybody like me in the house? You want to know why this works and how this works. And when it's not working that way, it's like it drives you crazy. But God is so much more than details and so much more of just, than just giving you guidance. He wants to be your guide. He wants to be a tour guide. He wants to actually take you to these places so you can experience it with him. I mean, imagine, I mean, the day was going to come whenever I'm going to teach my son how to drive a car. Imagine if my son came to me and said, Dad, I want, can you teach me how to drive a standard? Yeah, I can teach you how to drive a standard. Okay, Dad, can we sit down right here and you just tell me what's going to happen? So I sit down, you know, and say, okay, you're going you're to get in a truck or you're going to get in a car. You're going to put your left foot here and you're going to put your right foot here and you're going you're gonna to put, put it in, in first gear and then you have to let off here and you have to do this. And he's kind of downloading all, okay, 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 okay. And I'm like, hey, you want to go do it? And he's like, no, I got it from here. I got that. He goes and gets in the car piddles his way through it, comes back home and says, Dad, I just, I kept stalling out here. What do you think I should do? Well, let's go. Let's, I'll show you. No, no, no. Just tell me what you think I should do. Okay, well, you, how enjoyable would that be for me? 
Not at all. I want to experience it with my son. I want to do it with him. But yet, this is how we do Sundays. We come Sunday morning, go, God, just tell me what you want me to do this week. Tell me what you want to do. Okay, okay, I got it. Okay, good. I'm going to go. I'm going to love. I'm going to love. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And then throughout the week, we just do whatever we feel like God's told us to do, but yet we leave God out of it. And God's going, I want to be right up in the middle of it. I want to do it with you. And so we have to ask the question, am I searching? Don't go voice hunting. Go God hunting. So many of us are looking for the voice of God. We're not looking for God. We just want an answer. We don't want him. And that's a problem. Because here's the truth. As you do get in Scripture, the better you know God. Okay? As you get in Scripture, you find out about, because let me be honest with you, this book is not about you. This book is about God. Now, this book is for you, but it's not about you. So if you go in here and try to put yourself into these situations and try to be like, I'm going to be like Samson. Samson is me, and, you know, and, or I'm going to be like Moses and cross that Red Sea of debt or cross that Red Sea of my marriage because, you know, my husband is Pharaoh, you know. Or, you know, if you try to put yourself in the midst of it, it just doesn't work too well. It's not about you, but it is for you, okay? This book is for you. So as you get into it, and that's why we tell you, get into your word. As you get into the word, you know about who God is and the character of God. And here's the truth. When you know God better, you hear him clearer. You know God better, you hear him clearer. It's just like the same way I am with my wife. Come on, how many husbands you know? You can just, you know your wife's voice. You'll be in a room with 50 other women, and you could spot your wife. You, can, you don't even have to see her. You can just you can hear her. Hear where she's at. Or wives with your husbands. I just, I know that voice. I know where it is. And that's what this says. It says, my sheep, they hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. So I, I just want to encourage you with this. If you're in a gray area, if you're in this place where you just don't know what decision to make, he wants you to search for him. He wants you to find him as your guide. He wants you to find him as your comforter. He wants you to find him as your sustainer. He wants you to find him as your peace. That's what he wants you to find. Question number three. Am I obeying? You might want to go ahead and pull your feet up on this one. Because I'm coming. Am I following? Am I searching? Am I obeying? James chapter 1, verse 22, it's right there in your notes. You can turn there if you want to. But James chapter 1, verse 22 says this, But be doers of the word and not what? Okay, we've, been, we've kind of been seeing this word a lot, hearing, hearing God, hearing this, hearing that, my voice here. Okay, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. What happens when you do that? You deceive yourself. You deceive yourself. How many of you have ever um, played the game, old school game, Simon Says? I remember that game. We love this game in OSC Kids. We play it all the time, probably just to waste time at the end because y'all aren't getting there quick enough. And so we just waste, let's play Simon Says. Uh, but we change it. Like, let's play Jesus Says, you know. And, uh, and you know how it works. You know, Simon, Simon Says, you know, raise your right foot. You know, everybody, every kid raise your right foot. Simon Says, left foot. Simon Says, jump around. Simon Says, goofy face. You know, we do all crazy stuff with your kids. And uh, so they're doing all that, and they'd be like, stop. And then whoever stops and Simon didn't say, you're out, right? 
But it seems like in the church, we have a different game called Jesus Says, but we change the rules. We change the rules totally. See, because in, in the church, if Jesus says it, we don't technically have to do it. We just have to study it. So if Jesus says, make disciples, as long as I memorize it, we're okay. Jesus says, go talk to your person. Well, I, you know, I don't, I can memorize. Okay, let, let me put it in an illustration that you guys may understand. Um, I have an eight-year-old and a five-year-old. They share a room together, and it is like the Tasmanian devil goes in that room every day. So at night, before they can go to bed, they have to clean their room. Okay, and so imagine if I was to tell Josiah and Judah, Josiah and Judah, listen, you need to clean your room. Five or ten minutes goes by, and they come out, and I go, is it done? And Josiah comes out and goes, Dad, listen, uh, I went into the room, and I remembered what you said. Josiah, Judah, clean your room. I memorized it. You said, and you said it just like this, Josiah, Judah, clean your room. And I can even tell you in the Greek how to say this. And here's the real cool thing, Dad. I'm going to have some of my friends come over, and we're going to study how to clean my room. And then we're going to all learn and memorize, Josiah and Judah, clean your room. And then I'm going to look at them and go, did you do it? No. See, what had happened was we thought if we just memorized it, that would be enough. And as any daddy would say, get in my room. (laughs) So here's my question. Because here's (sighs) personal frustration. Let me get on a soapbox just real quick. I hear people say all the time, that was such an incredible message. I was so wrecked, so moved, crying. And then you watch them then begin to not do anything that this message wrecked and moved them by. <laughs> it's like we have de- we've deceived ourselves to think that we can come in on Sunday morning, hear a message, be wrecked by it, but somehow think that we can go out and not have to do it and God's okay with that. Like Jesus says, you are the light unto the world, that you need to proclaim the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And we think that somehow we can just go out and just live like Jesus, and that's okay. We don't have to talk about him. And that this whole idea about making disciples really only applies to, like, super pastors and super Christians. But when Jesus says, like, go make disciples, do you know he told this to 12 stupid teenage guys? Guys that had totally done stupid stuff constantly, and he was always coming back to them going, don't you understand? You are not getting it. These guys were not the brightest, and yet he left the, the transformation of the gospel being sent forth to the rest of the world till 12 teenagers. I think there was a couple 20-year-olds, maybe Peter in them. But most of these were young guys. And yet we stand here today with way more knowledge, way more information, and way more revelation of who God is, and yet decide that we don't have to obey it. 
So the question is, why does God want to speak to you when you have no desire to obey it? So we say things like this, God, please give me a better job. Here's my question. If you're not being a godly employee, if you're not showing up on time, if you're not putting 110% and you're not serving as unto the Lord, then why would God give you a better job? Come on. Why would God give you a better job? God, I just need more pay. Why would God give you a better job when you don't tithe off the pay you make now? So why would he give you more money for you to be more foolish with? Okay, God, God, would you just please send Mr. Wright, like he exists. Please send Mrs. Wright. So here's my question. Why don't you make a commitment to allow God to make you Mr. Wright or you Mrs. Wright so when he does send Mr. and Mrs. Wright that you're not the wrong one now? And then you screw up the right one he did bring to you. Okay? So before we start asking God for all the, God, why aren't you doing this? God, why aren't you doing this? We have to ask ourselves, are we obeying what we do know? God, save my lost neighbors, save my coworkers. Well, why don't you just go over there and tell them about Jesus? Why don't you just go love on them, serve them, mow their grass, be Jesus to them? But yet, no, we want to pray for everybody else to win our family to the Lord, but we don't want to do it. See, we need to, instead of spending all of our time and energy worrying about what the will of God is, and all of our time and energy trying to find out about the will of God we don't know, why don't we spend our time doing the things that we do know? Can I be honest with you? Half of our time is spent asking God for things that he's not giving us the answers to, while at the other time not even giving any time or attention to the things that we do know that he has told us. So we want greater revelation about who God is, and yet we don't want to obey the revelation we do have. I'll be honest with you. I don't want to know more about God because I'm having a hard enough time already just trying to obey the things I do know. Like, love my wife as Christ loved the church. Okay, that's a lifetime for me. I don't need any more. That's enough. I'm trying to work on that one. Love Jesus with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Okay. I don't know why we constantly need more revelation and more information and more stuff when we're not obeying and doing the things that we do know. So am I obeying? It's getting quiet in this Methodist church. Number four, and I'm wrapping it up. Am I listening? So am I following? Do you know Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Do you submit to him? Do you follow him? Do you, do, are you becoming more like Jesus? That's how we know for following him. We're becoming more like him. I hate people who say that they're Christians that don't look anything like Jesus. You're not a Christian. Christian means little Christ. Do you know that back in those days, a little Christ was something that other people said you were? They didn't label themselves as Christians. The community saw them and said, those are Christians. They saw the way that they acted. They saw what they talked, and they called them Christians. Nowadays, we tell everybody we're Christians, and we don't allow our life and our actions to communicate that we're Christians. Okay? And so, are we following? Are we searching? Are we searching Scripture? Are we, are we searching for God? Do we, is he our greatest treasure? Do we want him more than anything? Are we obeying? 
Are we obeying the things that we do know? And then lastly, am I listening? Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, verse 35. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son, speaking of Jesus. This is on the Mount of Transfiguration where the three disciples are there with Jesus. The cloud comes down. And the father speaks this over the son in front of these disciples. And this is what he says. This is my son, my chosen one. What does it say? Listen to him. Listen to him. And then 2 Timothy 4, 3 through 4 says this. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. This is speaking of the day that we live in now. The time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching but have itching ears and they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Don't worry about that. You will never have that problem here at our Savior's Church. Verse 4, and they will turn away from what? What's that word? Listening to the truth. And they will wander off into myths. Do you know that there's a difference between hearing and listening? Everybody in this church is hearing what I have to say. Not everybody's listening, though. Everybody hears my voice. Everybody's hearing what's going on, but not everybody's listening. And why is you understand this with your husband? He hears you, but he's not listening. Because you go, hey, what did I say? Oh, yeah, that's good. That sounds great. I'd love that for dinner. We weren't even talking about dinner. What are you talking about? Oh, okay. Uh, my bad. Uh. So, he, yeah, he's in his nothing box. Um, but this is the truth. We can do the same in church. We can come and we can hear, but we don't listen. We don't listen. We can hear the voice. And here's the deal. You can even hear the voice of the Holy Spirit calling you, convicting you, drawing you, but you don't desire to listen to it. You don't desire to listen to it. And in order for us to listen, that means we got to tune in. we got to intentionally silence things that are going on. I'm not saying you have to go off into the mountains to hear the voice of God and to listen to him. But what I am saying is you got to be willing to silence what's going on around you and tune in to what he's saying. You have to listen. I'm going to close with, with this story. My, uh, when we were in the hospital, um, it was... It was hard to get time, quiet time, to, like, spend in the Bible. 24-7, you're seeing after this two-year-old son that is going through all this stuff. You have all this blood work. You're, you're, you're just exhausted. There's all this stuff that's just going on around. So for us, you know, for people who say the only time they can hear from God is when they get off quiet, that wasn't our case. We couldn't do that. Okay? There was times where we got away and we tried on road trips, I mean, on, on, on trips back and forth from, from her father-in-law's house and different things where we tried to silence things that were going on and really ask the Lord to speak. But I remember one day uh, there was a lady that was in the ICU with her daughter, um, and we had seen her for a couple of days. She was by herself. There was just things that were going on. And it was actually, that, that day was one of our hardest days ever. It was the night that Lindsay called me at 1 in the morning, and she, or actually called me at 6 in the morning, called me at 1, told me it was hard, said, just pray for her, and then called me at 6 in the morning and said, that was the worst night I've ever had. And this is way after the helicopter stuff. And so I rushed over to the hospital, and we were, he was just not doing, really, not doing well at all. And uh, so we're praying over him and doing all that. The doctors are coming in, and all this is going in. And they're drawing blood, and Lindsay is just, they can't find his vein. And they're just going and going and stabbing and stabbing. And, 
And, and as a mama, I mean, as a dad, that's hard already, but as a mom, one time and seeing your boy cry, but seeing that comp- repeatedly, I mean, she's like, just, she's, she's crying. So I'm like, get out. And so um, she does, she walks out and she goes into the hallway. And what I didn't know is that when she walks out, she sees this lady that we've been uh, kind of just watching. We haven't talked with her that much, but she sees this lady and she's bawling. She's crying and bawling. And uh, Lindsay said, she was bawling. This girl's bawling. And she said, the voice of the Lord said, go pray for her. And she said, God, you see, do you see me? Do you see this? You want me to go pray for this lady? So she did. She went. She talked with her for a little bit, found out what was going on, found out that she was by herself, prayed for her, said, you know, we're here couple of rooms down. If you need anything, please let us know. And that was it. She came back in the room. Um, she was somewhat composed now, and she told me the story. And I'm like, babe, I'm, that's awesome. I'm glad you did that. That's incredible. Well, the story doesn't end there because a couple of days later, Lindsay's in the waiting room, uh, our ICU waiting room where we had to go eat, and she's eating in there, and there's this older lady that's in there, and she's eating. And so they're just striking up a conversation, and they're talking, and as they're talking, uh, this lady begins to tell her about how her uh, daughter, for, this is a former daughter-in-law, is here in the, in the intensive care with her daughter, and she's been here all by herself. And she said, last week, she's like, I was praying for her, and she said, I knew that she was by herself, and I prayed that God would send somebody to pray for her and to be there with her. <laughs> And uh, what she didn't know is the day that she was praying for that was the day that Lindsay went and saw her and, and prayed with her. Amen. And you have to, and I'm not saying that in a, in a way that where we were, she was alone and heard from the voice of God, but in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of real hardship, that God can speak even in the midst of that. Very directly. Very directly. And I'm so proud of my wife that she would even obey because to be honest, I don't know if I would have. And she got to see the fruit of that, of what happened in that. You never know what's on the other side of your obedience to hear the voice of the Lord. And so this is what I want to do this morning. I, I don't have answers for you. I don't know what decision it is that you are to make. I don't know. And you can come and sit down, and we can try to counsel you as best as you can. But to be honest with you, we're going to send you to a couple things. We're going to send you to Scripture, and we're going to see if Scripture has something to say about it. But if Scripture doesn't have black and white to say about that, we're going to push you to Jesus. And we're going to tell you to follow him and to search for him and to ask him and to let him be your guide and to let him be your answer for what's going on in your life. And so I wanted to do this this morning. Um, I know that there's many of you that are in here and you have a decision that you have to make. Maybe it's a job situation or maybe it's a marriage situation or maybe it's a family situation or maybe it's, I don't know what it is, but I know that there's probably in this room many, many people who have to make some type of decision soon. And there's pressure there to make a decision and you just don't know what to do. You're not sure what that decision is. Uh, I want to pray for you. And I want us as a church to pray together that God would be our guide, that he would be our comfort, that we would look to him more than the answer, that we would want him more than the answer, 
Because when we stay close to the guide, here's the deal. You learn things about who he is. You know, during that journey, you're trying to figure out what's going on. He's, he's teaching you who he is. And so, um, so if that's you this morning, um, will you stand? I, I just need clarity. I need wisdom. I need guidance. That's you. Just stand all across this room. Come on. We're going to pray for you. Mm. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Will you do this? Will you get out of your seat? Will you, will you come up here? Uh, we want to pray for you specifically. And I want to have just some of our uh, staff and, and leaders in our church, if you would just come and, uh, and get with them and this is what I want you to ask him. I want you to ask him what, what you can pray for, <clears throat> how you can pray for him. But our, our thing is we don't want just answers. We want him, right? We want him to be our comfort. If you're weak, we want him to be our strength. If you're lost, we want him to be our guide. We want more than direction, more than guidance. We want the guide. We want the director. We want the sustainer of life. And so I, we're just, come on, church. You can come and just put your hands on them. And uh, I'm going to pray over you. But then we're going to have these people pray over you individually. And I want you to let them know how they can pray. So, Father, we just come to you right now. Can you just lift your hands all across this room? And if you're sitting, could you just stretch your hands towards these people? They need, to, they need to hear from the Lord. They need to hear from the Lord. They need a word from the Lord. So, Father, we just come to you right now, Lord, and we just present our questions before you. We pre- present these questions before you. But, God, we thank you first and foremost that we can trust you. We can trust you that you are good. You are good. That all things that happen in our life is for our good and for your glory. And so we declare today, first and foremost, that we trust you. That whatever the answer may be, we trust you. But God, we come today. Lord, I pray specifically for those that are standing here. Those who may not be following you. God, I may, may they hear and listen to the voice of the Lord that says, come to me. Come to me. They, may they put their faith and their trust in you today. God, for those right now, Lord, that are searching, may they find you. May they find you above anything else. May they find you. God, we pray that you would give them wisdom. God, we pray that this week they would have clarity to the things that you've called them to do. God, I pray you would speak to them. Would you speak to them? Give them wisdom in their marriages. Give them wisdom in their finances. Give them wisdom in their relationships. Give them wisdom in their family and in their work. God, give them wisdom. God, we pray for spiritual strength, emotional strength, physical strength in their bodies even now. God, we love you and we declare today that we trust you. We trust you. Jesus, would you come? Would you give us more of you? Would you give us more of you today? In Jesus' name.